Hey there, and welcome to Reaching Out with Michael Constable. I'm your host, Michael, and Reaching Out is a weekly podcast on a mission to make coming out easier through story sharing. On this week's episode, I chat with one of my very first gay friends, Ryan Krause. Ryan and my friendship started like many other budding queer friendships on dating apps, though not of us really remember which one it was. Ryan walks us through his quote-unquote phenomenally messy, not-made-for-a-Hulu series coming out journey. He talks about how he wrestled with the feeling of needing a boyfriend while coming out in order to validate his new queer identity. He talks about the freedom that queer people have to redefine relationships from the heteronormative standard that most of us grew up thinking was the only way. And then Ryan shares some really powerful thoughts about sexual empowerment stemming from his own journey to reconcile his public heteronormative leaning gay life with his private gay promiscuous side. As someone who grew up with a general sex is bad upbringing and is honestly still kind of working through some of those repercussions today, I really loved hearing Ryan's take about how people should feel less shame about their sex lives, regardless of how much you're having. He is one of the most transparent and genuine people that I know, and you're about to see exactly what I'm talking about. I think you're really going to love it. Let's check it out. Welcome back to another episode of Reaching Out with Michael Constable. I am super excited about this morning's guest. I am want to introduce you to Ryan Krause. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. Um, Ryan, would you like to uh, give a little intro to our listeners um, about yourself? Sure. Um, my little elevator pitch. I am Ryan Killian Krause. RKK, famously. RKK, also known as. Um, I live in Brooklyn, New York. I, uh, by day, work for a tech company doing boring day job things. And on the side, I uh, write and produce a couple of podcasts that you should also be listening to besides this one, obviously. Oh yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely plug those in the, in the show notes for sure. Um, what, so Ryan, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, you, I met you, I love like doing the connection of like how I met my guests so far, because so far they've been people that have been like important in my coming out process and that sort of a thing. So I like love, our story I think is 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 to me it's like very funny and like I love it um the way I remember meeting you and I'm curious to see if like this is like if this tracks but I remember I think this was like during uh, I think it was in my like first couple months of coming out I was like traveling I was in New York um and I think I'm I think we met on like tinder or bumble or something like that does that track it was it was either Tim, Tinder or Bumble. I can't remember which one, but it was one of the one of the swiping apps. Yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Bumble. For some reason, I have that in my head. And we met, and then I don't think we we never ended up like meeting up or hanging out. Um, but I just remember being like, "Wait, this guy is so fun!" Like, I just love, I, like, I love chatting with him. Like, we had like a really good like, we were just being like silly and funny, and like we just had a good rapport. And so we ended up like staying in touch even after I left. Um, which is also like, I found like I met a lot of good like gay friends um through dating apps which is i don't know i guess at the time it was unexpected but now it kind of makes sense but um great way to yeah, make I, friends i think so <laughs> i think i think you could do an entire episode of making friends through through dating platforms Literally, and yeah. people would have plenty of stories but yeah no we we met when you were visiting new york and you were deciding between moving to new york and san francisco yes. and i tried terribly to sway you from moving to san francisco and to coming to new york yeah um, but then I found out that you used to live in San Francisco. And so once yes. I decided to move there, I remember you gave me some um, some recommendations. Uh, and then even like just to show how small the gay world can be sometimes, I go to San Francisco. I'm there for like a couple months and I'm like, OK, I need to like make friends. I don't know anybody here. Um, 
And I, like, I, I wanted to, like, I've never had like a group of gay friends. I was like, I need to start, I need to like, how do you do that? And so I joined a gay kickball league and then um, through a coworker and he invited me into it. And then um, I find out that it was your former kickball league and they all knew you and they all like loved you. And then like the second that I made that connection, I think we like FaceTimed you at the lookout or something like that on a kickball Sunday. Um, yes, I was, I, I was very much a kickball gay when I lived in San Francisco. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love, I love that story. Just, I don't know. I just remember just like chatting with you and like, typically you would chat with someone on a dating app and like, if you don't meet up, you don't see them again. But I was like, this guy's like really funny. I need to like keep him. So <laughs> well, yeah. So glad we... And then we had our Coney Island day. And then we had, yeah. And then I came back to New York and we ended up actually meeting up for the first time. And we went to Coney Island and had a cute little, cute little afternoon. And I guess with that, we can dive into your coming out story, Ryan. Where does it, where to take us back? Where does it, where does it all begin? Uh, it probably begins upon conception of me, but um, <laughs> true. my coming out story is like a long and arduous one in that it was messy. Um, I very much was like a feminine boy, but like determined to uh, determined to fit in. So like unwilling to admit to myself that there was any sort of like possibility of being non-normative um but so i really started like okay so like in high school obviously rumors abound me trying dipping and dodging them left and right growing up a conservative very much trump america and um if you ever have the chance to go to mechanicsburg pennsylvania don't there's no reason to i was just gonna plug mechanicsburg i was gonna say was are we is that where we're talking right now yes picture at Mechanicsburg 1995 um but I was not in high school in 1995 I promise um not to shade anyone who was we are not ageist on this podcast <laughs> but um I very much like fled Pennsylvania for California for college in order to like start anew and within like the first week of being at UC Davis um this girl that I met on my dorm floor who I was like kikiing with before I knew the term kiki uh was like wait you're gay right and i was like fuck <laughs> so then i joined a fraternity and spent four years trying desperately to not uh be gay dated a girl or two it depends kind of what you determine as dating um and then really the first time i came out was in las vegas with um my like 13 of my fraternity brothers the summer before senior year of uh college we bought really cheap flights we we're all 21 we went to las vegas for four nights which is far too many nights to spend in las vegas That's we don't need to spend actually any time in las vegas i don't i personally think and uh we got extremely intoxicated and uh went to one of the clubs where a man who i thought i was making eyes with because i was very intoxicated uh called me the f word which is when i shoved him thinking that i was like a big masculine man who was like gonna like put him in his place he did not move and then he shoved me and i went flying across the club knocked a few people over and then the bouncers came and took me into the back and were like you're kicked out and banned from this club for life so uh, <laughs> i will not be going back there but um the whole point of the story is i went back to the our suite that night and thought all my friends had heard him calling me and 
was like, I just want you guys all to know that I'm not gay. And they were like, okay. And then three minutes later, I walked back into the room and was like, wait, I'm gay. And they were like, what? <laughs> and then I, everyone went to sleep. And then the next morning, we went and got McDonald's for breakfast, as you do in Las Vegas. And um, it was like a very just sloppy, messy day. And then as we were leaving, I was kind of like, hey, everyone, like, uh, let's not talk about this when we go back to school, please. Like, I'm still figuring things out. And to their credit, not a single one of them ever said anything to anyone. Wow. Uh, but I just fully went back into the closet for like three years and like didn't say anything. Kind of had really? a thing with a girl senior year. Just like didn't. So then I wait. What was what, what was what caused him? Why did that guy say that to you? Like, what I think because I was just like making really intense eye contact with him because I thought he was making intense eye contact with okay. me. Like I thought we were having like a flirty dance for a moment. Got it. And he was um, like, "But I what are you missed, doing?" Yeah. No. I no. I misread the situation, which is a theme. If you want to do an episode on misreading <laughs> things, I could also be a great guest for that. Yeah. Um. So then fast forward, graduate college, moved to Spain for a little bit. And I have my last kind of interaction with a woman where I'm like, she's stunningly beautiful, wonderful. Janelle, if you're listening to this, you're gorgeous. You look really pretty as Audrey Hepburn on Halloween. <laughs> um, and last kind of interaction. And I was like, why am I doing this? I like, don't, I don't, this isn't what I want to be doing. Um, and also if anyone's been to Madrid, you know that the men are, stunningly beautiful and so I, that's why i started kind of exploring things um well not that i hadn't been but uh more outwardly and uh then i came back to san francisco moved to san francisco still like was kind of out to myself but wasn't out to other people um and so it was like a long kind of slow trudge through of uh slowly coming out to people left like here or there mostly once i got really intoxicated because i'm terrible at um expressing my emotions or feelings <laughs> so i use alcohol to help um and uh little by little i like came out to people here or there and i had this kind of really warped idea in my mind that i kind of needed to date a guy before i could really come out to people to like make myself valid as a gay man so i stumbled my way into my first relationship with someone who is not a good person um, and then like use that as an excuse to come out to everyone, um, little by little, which was, I guess by that point, like 2014. So even a couple years after college. So it was a slow kind of burn that was in no way tactful or beautiful or worthy of like a Hulu series. It was just like, not, but I it think was not that, cute. But I think that's like, <laughs> that's probably a more relatable experience too is like you know art whose is that i don't know i don't know which i don't know a ton of them that are I'm, I'm sure i know a couple maybe but which do not get me started on the love simon of it all if you want to do a whole episode <laughs> about gay rom-com i'm also happy to do that <laughs> um wait so yeah there's a couple uh interesting points you made i'd like to kind of just quickly circle back to just because they resonated with me or you know they, yeah they resonated with me so one is I am so surprised, like, and just from doing this podcast, I don't know why I thought what I was like in the minority of people who were in a fraternity in college and gay, like in closeted. I'm so surprised at how many people that I met through doing this were also in them. Because when I look back on my coming out story, I, I consider that to be a very big part of why I stayed in the closet for so long. And so I'm just like, I'm just like, I hear all these stories. I'm like, and then the people usually came out earlier than, than I did. 
Um, and so I'm just like, I, I, I wish that I had, I was like more aware at, in the, in the moment that it was a possibility for me instead of just completely, you know, shutting it off. So I just like, I'm, I'm just blown away by this, this recurring theme that so many oh, people were in them too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm very much in like research or reading that I did, like for the, for my grad school thesis and stuff, I read this book about how, um, like gay men or queer people, but specifically a lot of people that were interviewed in this book were gay men. Um, kind of, there's like a really like double common react or uh, one, two different reactions that, that a lot of people have that who are othered. And one is to like desperately try to fit in. And the other is to be like, no, fuck you. I'm super other. Um, and I definitely fell into the category of people who really just wanted to fit in. Oh yeah. Um, I just like wanted to be socially acceptable, terribly bad. And like, I also adore some of the friends that I made in college and truth, truthfully, um, while I think the fraternity was an extremely toxic place that like definitely kept me in the closet a lot longer. A lot of those guys are still my really good friends and were some of the best support systems when I did come out, um, yeah. and are like loving, amazing people who I still like speak with so i think like it's being young and it was a symptom of the time like i remember being in my fraternity house when prop 8 passed in california and being like knowing deep down that i was like really upset but like not being not really allowing myself to have the time to think about like what that actually meant for me um and it was just yeah it was a very weird mm -hmm. time also like a little homoerotic and i definitely formed like crushes <laughs> on all of them at some point really but not Oh yeah, but like nothing ever happened. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, the internet lied to me. I was told that there was going to be a lot of gay sex happening. Sean Cody lied to you. <laughs> yeah, fraternityx.com lied to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I, you know, it it was like one of these things where I was forming these really intense emotional relationships with these guys, and I was really confused. And at the time, like I think looking back now, I realized that like I had crushes on some of them at some point because like. Mm -hmm. They were people who mattered a lot to me, so it was a very confusing time. Yeah, it is, and I and I, I echo that sentiment of like some of my like, despite a lot of things about it, like you mentioned, being pretty toxic, especially for somebody who's trying to, someone who feels different, and it's like a very homogenous, you know, like just like the group think atmosphere of it all, and like the frattiness of it all. Like, is it mm -hmm. at least for me? What it did, it wasn't like an environment that fostered like. Yes, it's okay to be different. It's more like, no, you need to fit this mold. You need to be like totalfratmove.com, like all of that stupid shit. Um, oh but my God, said, I forgot about total frat move. <laughs> yeah. What an abomination. <gasps> Everybody wanted to be that so bad. And we were like in Michigan and we're trying, they like wanted to be like these people from like South Carolina. Like it was just so, like looking back, it's like so cringy. But everyone started drinking Maker's Mark and thinking that. Yeah bad bad ugly ugly behavior boo tomato tomato yeah. tomato um and yeah and so like but that that said i still like a lot of my best friends today are are guys from that fraternity and like you similar to you some of the best support system you know came out of it um and so like yeah. it, it is a very it's like a very confusing thing but i'm fascinated by this top by that topic but yeah i just thought I that it. was like super funny like it just keeps popping up and i'm like Everybody was in a fraternity, but they like came out before I did. <laughs> Everyone's on their own journey. Everyone, at their I know own time. That, is, that is very <laughs> important and it's very true. Absolutely. But yes, I also wish that I was out in college because, like, think about all the fun 
things you could have done. I know. And I wasn't I doing any of them. I was just like getting too drunk and like, so I could get out of situations of trying, you know, of like pressure to like hook up with girls. <laughs> Do not even get me started. <laughs> this will be a second episode. Um, <laughs> and then also I'm super fascinated of, by something you said. I think you said this was when you were in Spain, but correct me if I'm wrong, but you said you were out to yourself, but not to people. Oh no, it was this when you moved to SF. It was kind of like I had the realization. It, it's weird because I don't like people post on social media and are like, happy anniversary to me coming out. And like, I don't have that anniversary. Because Literally me. Very, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to drag you. Literally me. Drag me straight to hell. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, finally got that off my chest. Um, <laughs> you've, no. been wait, you've been holding that one in for a couple of years, oh, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Since I swiped right, baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. I think that I don't have one of those just because, again, it was like really sloppy, really drawn out. Like, I don't really know. But I do distinctly remember the moment that I was in my lofted twin bed in this disgusting apartment in above Plaza Callao in Madrid that didn't have glass in the window. It was literally just an open hole to the outside because I was so poor and uh was laying there and I was just like, I'm like forcing myself into this situation that like, I like really liked this girl. She was a friend of mine and we like definitely had good chemistry, but a woman. Um, and she just like, I was just like, I'm not in this. And like, why am I forcing myself to be in this? So I think I had that realization and I definitely went into like a very depressive episode when I got back and moved to San Francisco. And I had like a lot of nights, like walking home drunk from the bars being like, I'm so unhappy and I know what I need to do, but I just didn't feel like I had the emotional fortitude to do it yet. And I kind of had to let my internal self catch up with my mind, yeah. um, which I think was a good thing. Cause I, <clears throat> I think there's a world in which I would have like forced myself to come out before I was really ready. And like, I don't think that would have been good for anyone, yeah, including myself. I think I just would have been even more chaotic, but um, I just kind of had this period in life where like, I really took a step back and I, um was like I kind of know who I am but like I just need to get there and uh that was probably like from that moment in Madrid which was Halloween night 2012 so like me coming out in 2014 probably in the summer was like like a year and a half for two years I don't know Math is not my strong suit. How long? So how just to get the timeline right? How long were you in SF before you like before you consider like officially having come out? Uh, it's a little bit wonky because I started like going on Tinder and dating guys before I officially came out. Like, what am I? I, I lived with my brother and two of his friends, and I I was dating this guy. Uh, shout out to Andrew. Um, and he like came over and spent the night for the very first time in my apartment and just like like watched a movie and like went to bed and my one roommate john was there at the time and he was there like i thought everyone was asleep but john was in the living room when andrew came over and he like i like introduced them and like we went into my room and like obviously didn't come back out and the next day he like came into the kitchen was like wait i think ryan had a guy server last night and i think at that point i had already told my brother i can't really remember um how the chips it was a very foggy time but um uh it was like again, like a slow roll, like I didn't feel, I felt so fake in, which is like such a fucked up feeling because you are valid, whoever you are listening to this. Um, I really thought that I had to like find validity in myself through like the life that I lived in being queer in like the sense of like, I had to have a boyfriend. I had to be like doing these things. And until I got to that point, I felt like such a phony, like sitting someone down to have like 
a conversation with me and coming out to them because yeah. that just felt so dramatic to me. But that's also because I'm like terrified of expressing myself to anyone ever. Um, ask my ex boyfriends, but um, it's so it's, it's kind of a weird timeline. But it was sometime in 2014 because I think I started dating my first really serious boyfriend in 2015. Um, and I was out for a while before that kind of fumbling through it. You felt like in like your ideal coming out scenario, you wanted to like have a boyfriend while you're coming out to be like, I'm coming out and this is my boyfriend kind of situation. Yes. And also because I am one of those stereotypical people who like, I had a really hard time just saying the word gay, yeah. like li literally saying the word gay. It was so, so hard. <laughs> yeah. So most of the time when I came out, I didn't say I'm gay. I said, I'm dating someone. And his name is Tyler. And my friend Layla, when I came out to her, she was like, that's such a stupid, like, you buried the lead. That's so annoying. Like, just <laughs> tell me that you're gay. I don't care. I love you. Her brother's gay. Like, she's one of the most fabulous people in this world. Layla, I love you if you're listening to this. She's a nurse in Houston. Shout out to all the nurses out there. <laughs> um, but she was like, that's like, like that, like you buried the lead. And like, I know why you did it. But like, I want you to know that like, you didn't have to do that. Like, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. But I still kept doing that for a while because it just felt safer for me. And like the G in gay just feels like it like hangs in your throat. It does. And I just like didn't want that. And like I just had a really hard time, which is crazy now because I'm like, I'm a full blown homosexual. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> um, like left and right. It's all I talk about. But back then it was like not what yeah i wanted to say it's so hard for some reason just saying it like vocalizing it it takes it took me a long time too i think my yeah. I, I didn't ha i wasn't like because i came out to people before i actually ever dated anybody so um and even like i first came out to somebody before i even like ever like hooked up with a guy before too i think like the first couple of people i came out to and i my 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 line was i'm in the process of coming out i, I couldn't say i definitely couldn't say gay I also love like that I'm in the pro like I love the way that we try to like soften like the declarative statement. We we make it a very like leading like and yes, it is a process. And like that's the whole point of this entire podcast is like it's a process in people in different ways, but there's recurring themes and whatever, whatever. Um, but I love the way that, in which we all kind of like soften it in our own head so that it feels a little bit safer. Yeah. That's like it's 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 quite interesting but it is it's great once you get to the point where you're like you said like i'm a full-blown homosexual like that when you're at that point like that i don't know to me that is like saying gay now or anything like you know it's it's very you know it's not it's not even a thing that i even think about anymore and it's like again it's like something that i'm happy to talk about now i mean clearly i'm happy to talk about it. i have a podcast about it um you better be baby but it takes it takes a while like it takes a while it definitely does yeah I mean, it's crazy to me to think because, again, I think, and, and I've had a ton of conversations with um, my friends, especially early on, or friends who are, who are a little bit younger, and I definitely fall into this camp. Like I, as, and then as soon as I came out, I was obsessed with having a boyfriend. I was like, I was obsessed with like, again, as a way to make myself valid, because that's what like a fully formed gay man looks like in my mind. Um, and I think that there were like benchmarks that you know i was like okay now that i'm like in this process like what do i have to do to like collect all the pieces of the puzzle that make myself whole oh interesting uh, yeah i like i felt a little opposite i and i don't know i'm not sure like 
why, but I, for me, it was like, the, it was the opposite. I, I was very resistant to going down a like relationship path. Like I, especially when I first moved to SF, it was like, I wanted to just explore all the things and like, you know, date around and, you know, and go on all these Tinder dates and stuff. And cause I was just like, I, it's so new to me. I want to like, I want to take it all in and like, you know, ex have all these experiences. And it was and yeah. like a relationship was like, anytime something got too serious is, and I didn't know how to like get out of the, these scenarios, like tactfully at the time. And it was like, it's I just put up these on, walls. Baby. I know, like, I, 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 as I said that, I'm like, wait, do I, do I now? I don't even think I do. Um, but like, yeah, my, so my mentality was totally, I mean, it got cut, my like dating period got cut short because of COVID, but, um, uh, obviously, but yeah, I, I was a little bit, I was in a little bit different of a mindset. So it's, it's interesting to hear. I actually, and we don't have to pivot into it yet, but I think that segues really well into our topic because I think I want like the one thing that, you know, I had my first homosexual experience. I mean, in like middle school but like the first time i like hooked up with a guy like the first time like i gave a blowjob i was like 15 um so i and i didn't come out to like i was almost 25 so like and i was like very much a proponent of or user of like i was a blank profile on grinder baby like i was seeing who was around i used miss craigslist before <laughs> grinder came around so like i had had not like a ton, well, probably a lot of like sexual experiences and there so I think there was like a craving for me to like have a more emotional experience so that's why I felt very much and also like my my therapist from San Francisco can tell you like I was absolutely looking for someone to like make me whole and make me full so that I was like a full person which is like not the reason to get into a relationship plot twist um because it's not gonna end at all but uh yeah I, so I think that's like the piece that was missing for for me at the time once you finally came out in San Francisco, what was the the process like? Like coming out to family was that, um, and like some of your other closer friends, and how did and also how did that change your experience in San Francisco too? Like how did how did you kind of transition to this from this like more you're out to yourself but not to others, and then how do you transition your San Francisco life to a more like openly out situation? Yeah, so. My parents and my family were, were like never a question for me. I grew up in a really conservative place. My parents have always been very um, liberal. And like my mom would always drop, like my mom knew. She would always drop hints and be like, whoever you and your brother decide to love, like we'll accept you. So like I knew she was going to be a, like like a down bitch. Like she's, yeah. she's ready to rock. She like <laughs> loves talking about her gay son. Um, and like I love that. Yeah. And like my dad too, like I came out to both of them, the same like me and my very toxic first boyfriend, both like, decided that we were going to go home for Memorial Day and like come out to our families. And we did and like text each other about it. It was like the one cute bonding experience that we had. And then um, I came out to my brother after that. I, I kept coming out to people in cars because I feel like they couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> like we'd be driving somewhere and I'd be like, sorry, like I have something to tell you. Yeah. I don't know why I, I came out to a lot of people in cars. <laughs> um, like, like my really good friend, Caitlin, who was my next door neighbor at the time in San Francisco. And we would like spend every evening together. Um, we were driving back from a party at like like a work party that I took her to in the middle of the day. And I did the whole thing again where I was like, I have a date tonight with a guy and his name is Tyler. And uh, she like, she and I joke about it to this day because she like had her hands on the wheels. just like, cool, cool. And we like just went the rest of the car ride. And she like texted me after in all caps. She's like, I played it too cool. Like, I'm so excited for you. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to like say the wrong thing. 
and it was just like really endearing that I was like, you know what? Like I, um, yeah. So like, like almost all of my friends were really great. There was a moment where I, had like started like my like my friends from college I like started coming out to them we were having a weekend up in Napa and I was like outside texting my boyfriend at the time and I was kind of in like a weird headspace and my friend came out and she was like talking to me she's like what's going on and I was like I like confided in her and I was like I feel like I'm gonna tell everyone this weekend I just like don't want it to be like a whole to do and then she confided in her other really good friend and she came up to me and was like oh my god and I was like yeah like I'm getting ready to tell everyone and then that second girl stood up we like had like a long day of wine tasting and then stood up at dinner and was like i think ryan has something he wants to tell everyone oh my god and i was like i actually don't and then the and like i pulled her outside and like screamed at her and was like you can't do this to me she's like i'm sorry like i thought it would just make it easier and i was like no that's not how you do things no um and then the next weekend she added me to some friends at outside land because she thought it was just would make things easier and like they're like two of my absolute best friends i officiated their wedding and i still like am very sad that i never got to have that moment of like being honest with them and coming out to them and like because they were two of my biggest support systems when i first came out mm-hmm. um but everyone was really great I, I literally had i'm like extremely extremely fortunate in that i didn't really ever have a negative experience i don't think there was like one kind of friend who was kind of like okay okay cool if you, you you just like talk about being gay a lot i'm like yeah it's like what i am like like who I am and how I'm trying to figure things out but um I think I was also at the time I was like that stereotypical person who was very much like this doesn't change anything about me like I'm still I'm still the same person like I didn't really go to gay bars when I first came out because none of my friends were gay I went to the same bars with all my friends all the time and um so I think my life didn't change that much for like at first it was a very slow transition I feel like some people like come burst out of the closet and they're like I know exactly who like what I want to do and where I want to be going and like the bars I want to go to and the events and the concerts. And I was very much like at a period of my life where I had suppressed who I was for so long, that I kind of didn't know who I was. So I had to spend my like mid twenties really figuring out mid to late really figuring out who I was, um, which took a while, but it was really fun. It was, it was phenomenally messy, but uh, really fun. And um, so that was like, I was extremely fortunate in that regard. And I like fully understand how lucky I am to have the people in my life who have, who were so great and kind of gave me that room to, to figure out who I am. I think I'm like much more of a militant homosexual now. So like if I came out as I am now, they would probably be like, you're annoying. <laughs> um, but, and then when it like, in like in regards to San Francisco, it's literally a ge- geographical shift. I lived in Presidio Heights in San Francisco uh, when I first moved there for the first three years. and um all my friends lived in like knob hill russian hill marina for people who are not familiar with san francisco it's like the northern half of the peninsula but i remember the night that gay marriage was legalized uh with the scotus decision and i like the city was going nuts and i was living in presidio heights and i remember like standing on my front porch of presidio heights and, like i should just like get an uber or lyft at the time when the, the when the pink mustaches were still on the cars and be like, I should just go to the Castro and like celebrate. And I was like so lonely and didn't know any gay people in the city and just like went to bed. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's so weird. Like that felt so far away from me, but it was like two miles. But it felt like a completely different world. And I think that's like, it was so interesting to me that that like world, I felt like that world wasn't accessible to me until I like made this declaration. Yeah. So it was, it was like a, geor- a geographical shift for me. So I think the shift was like one, I was like dating 
a man and we were doing things, but like he didn't really love going to gay bars and like doing things. So like it was kind of after we broke up that I like really well while we were dating, I was like, I don't have any gay friends besides you and your gay friends because all of his friends from college ended up being gay and none of mine did. And I was like, that's a little unfair, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think it like in that process, I was like, I need to make gay friends. And that's why I joined the kickball league and met all those wonderful people. Um, and so that kind of like started as he and I were dating. And then after we broke up, I was able to like, I kind of like to your point, which I think is interesting. And I think again, would be a fascinating topic of, uh, is like the impetus of friendships because like two of my absolute best friends here who live a few blocks away, like I met on Grinder, and like yeah. we met on Hinge or Bumble or whatever it was. And like, there's so many friends of mine who like, I've either gone on a date with or like hooked up with or just like chatted with and we realized that we're going to be better friends. So like, I think weirdly being single allowed me to kind of like exist in a space a little bit more ambiguously that like allowed for things to flourish when I was in a versus when I was in a monogamous relationship where I was like, I'm strictly only looking for friends. And like, I still made friends and some of my absolute best friends uh, I made during that time. But it just like allows you to be in spaces a little bit more where you don't feel like Am I being questionable because I'm in a relationship yeah. or? Oh, yeah, um, that's and, true. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point, actually. Yeah, Wait. so I think that is kind of when I really, like, stepped into living, like, my, like, 100% homosexual San Francisco life. I, well, you touched on a point that something that I found really fascinating about coming out, and I didn't really experience it much till I moved here. Um, and was like, and was in that period where I mentioned of like going on a bunch of Tinder dates and like, you know, and just being, you know, allergic to anything serious. Um, I was so fascinated by the, how, I don't want to say common, but like how possible it is to like go on a date with somebody or a couple dates and, or just even like hook up with somebody and then like how quickly you're able to, in certain situations, obviously transition it and be like, you know what, I think we're just friends, but like, you're able to do that it's it's more common than I ever thought it would be yeah I mean I, I I think it's the absolute best thing about being a queer person is like the ability to like redefine relationships in so many different ways like I I have a a friend who's gay who just went through a breakup and he was getting all of his advice from a lot of straight women and they were like here's what you have to do here's what you have to do and he, and he talked to another gay friend who was like I think one of the things about being gay is like you don't have to like never talk to your boyfriend again. Like you don't have to be like, he's dead to me. Like I know a lot of people who are really good friends with their exes and yeah, it might take some time or it might like, you might have to like def- figure out what that, what those boundaries look like for you. But like as a queer person, I think we, one of the most beautiful things is to be able to redefine what it means to it, have relationships with people and they can take on a ton of different things. I'm a huge proponent of like hooking up with your friends. As long as you're both on the same page, I'm a huge proponent of like, non-monogamy or like casual like just as long as everyone is consenting Mm -hmm. i think being queer gives you so much more opportunity not just in sexual relationships but in emotional relationships romantic relationships and like it it's really fucking cool this sounds like i think this is a solid segue into uh the topic we wanted to cover i mean i think as we were talking about it you know i i was like hey, I feel like one of the things that was really a huge part of my coming out was um, reconciling the two parts of my life that was that were like the very public part of my life and the very private slash sexual part of my life. Um, and 
even after coming out, I don't think that that was something that was necessarily immediately reconciled. I, again, I was very obsessed with the ideas of like having a boyfriend and living a normative life, but as a man dating a man. Um, and so I think like I have spent a lot of time in therapy and just like life experience wise trying to kind of deprogram that I like that separation in my mind and like I think there's a lot of shame that is uh, uh, brought in with, with the idea of like queer or gay sex and that is in no small part to uh, a lot of like really fucked up people saying really fucked up things about queer people for a long time and there's also a giant um you know epidemic that ran through our community and even though we weren't you know alive and having sex during the height of it like that trauma like stays with us and i think there's there's just so much about queer sex and gay sex that is like at least for me was a huge part of my coming out it was almost kind of like a second coming out for me um that i just thought it would be like fascinating and fun to talk about i mean who doesn't love talking about sex you mentioned that you had your first sexual experience back when you were 15 and yeah. you, but you didn't actually like come out come out till 25 um, yeah and, and it sounded like you you had you had hooked up with guys i don't know like did you do it was it like a frequent thing or not super frequent but like frequent enough like free like frequent enough where i know where the bathroom is at uc davis where like <laughs> the sketchy things go down um I, yeah, I mean, I think, and that I think is an interesting, so like we, you know, we were talking about the kind of difference between us of like you coming out before ever dating anyone or hooking up and like, then on like the complete opposite side of the spectrum, I was very much like, I was very sexually active. Um, and then just like, in my mind was like, no, this is something that um, like I'm willing to hide or willing to suppress uh but unwilling to admit to myself of like who i was as as a as a more holistic person yeah um and i think like my early sexual encounters definitely have a lot to play with that where like i was very much like in high school would like fool around with a really good friend of mine at like sleepovers we would like wait till everyone went to sleep and then like sneak upstairs to my bedroom and like fool around and we would like kind of like early sexed on aim a little bit we never discussed it in person. We never acknowledged it outside of like the sexting sessions. We never talked about it and it just kept happening. And so I think that really early on, like, you know, I think there's, uh, there was like a sneakiness to yeah. it that, um, or a secretiveness to it or secrecy, I suppose, to it that, uh, really became, really became ingrained in me in like the idea of like, okay, there is my, like my public facing life and then my yeah. like secret life yeah so um, you're like your first hooking up experiences are ones that you have to hide and you don't talk mm -hmm. about and are you know like top secret essentially so that's yes. kind of how you're that's how you were like you were you grew up with it with with yeah sex. oh yeah like to me the idea of like gay sex and secrecy were like inherently intertwined yeah interesting interesting um yeah which I think, you know, so much of like about being a closeted person is about secrecy and like what you hide and what you keep to yourself versus what you allow yourself to show to other people. And like I, me, for example, I was 
obsessed with my outward appearance of like, you know, what am I liking? What am I listening to? What am I like talking about? Like we talked about fraternities and like, how am I dressing? And are my shorts too short? Or like, is my yeah. haircut too, like, basically I, I got ugly haircuts for so long because <laughs> I didn't want, like I thought looking good would make people think it's that like I would give. Was, I mean, tell. yeah, I mean, I was also just going to cheat people who were giving me bad haircuts, but let me put some revisionist history on that. So I think, yeah, it's, it's like weird that like, I think being closeted for so long and having that like extended period of cycles of like sexual experiences and, and then intense shame and then secrecy and then like promising myself I would never do it again. Yeah. And then, which like, I don't know if, I, I also had that experience with like gay porn where it was like, oh, I watched that, but like that was the last time. Wait, that was the last you, time. I was literally just about to say that I typically would not watch gay porn um like when I was sober, but like if I came back after like drinking that night, I would like watch it and then I'd feel super guilty the next morning. And it got even I mean, I, I would end up the the trick for me or like you know you like ra- you like rationalize things in your head for sure and mine was i would watch bi porn with two guys and a girl when the guys would hook up but like i like i couldn't i had no idea who the girl was i like didn't even know like what color hair she was at by the end of it um but yeah. for some reason it like felt okay because there was a girl involved um, oh baby i've seen those corbin fisher videos don't worry <laughs> And then even after I came out, I still had issues. When then I was like, okay, I don't have to like watch this bi porn anymore, even though it can still be pretty hot. Um, but, right. but I I would like try to transition to gay porn, and it took me a while to like. I still felt like it took me a while to like even kind of like. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it wasn't like a switch that flipped. It was like I still feel weird and like a little shameful for watching gay porn, despite I'm out to everybody right now. It took a while, and that. Happy to say I've re- that I'm not like that anymore, but it was like, yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean, I was watching like my parents put a computer in my bedroom when I was like 13, which was like a huge fucking mistake. I watched so much gay porn on that thing. It was riddled with viruses. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it was this thing where I would always be like, that was the last time. Or like, I yeah. promised myself like if a big, like, like event was coming up like my birthday or like the end of the school year, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to watch gay porn. until so, like, this day and then I'm done and then I'm quitting cold turkey and then I'm going to be straight for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that's why I don't trust myself now when I like set myself like goals and resolutions. I'm like, bitch, I watched you steamroll past a ton of them yeah. um, in, in regards to, in regards to <laughs> gay porn. But, um, you know, I think that builds this idea of like shame in us mm-hmm. where we're like, I can't believe I just did that. I like, you know, we like, self-flagellate and we're like i'm like i'm so weak i succumbed to these things blah blah blah. and like you know i mean there's a million religions and other people and things that will tell you that as well but um i think that at least for me and it sounds like for you as well to a to a uh to a somewhat extent was like you know it, it built this like underlying layer of shame there that um, at least for me, once I came out was like, still very hard for me to sh- shake. Um, like, I think I was telling you before the call, like, I was very much in therapy when I came out, like had my first session with my therapist and started bawling and was like, I think I'm gay. Um, and then she and I were working together and I was like, c- like coming out and was out to people and I still like, wouldn't tell her about Grinder. I would still lie to her about how many people that I had had sex with or if I had had any interactions because it was just so 
lying about it was so deeply ingrained in me that I just like, and there was a shame that I felt about being like having multiple partners, being promiscuous, like having casual sex. Um, I, I still very much felt this normative idea of like, I need to be dating to find a boyfriend. And like, I don't want to be too slutty because that's like a bad rep that the gay community gets. And I want to be one of the good gays. I don't want to be one of the bad gays. Like, I want to be one of the ones that people like. And like, people like are like, oh, you're so regular, which like, what the fuck does that mean? But um, I was obsessed with that for a really long time. I did not, um, even when I like got my first boyfriend and like, Oh my God, I used to get so worried that I had an STI every other week, even though I like at that time was only using condoms. And like, it was, I was just like, so ashamed of all this stuff. And at the time I didn't realize that it was shame. I had to kind of like get to that point and be like, wait a second. Um, But it was, again, I, I, I like, I think it was kind of like a second coming out for me to like step into my sexuality my queer sexuality and be like this is who i am or i think or like i'm trying to figure out who i am and like i want to try new things i want to like experience things and without the idea of being like is that okay am i allowed to do that am i like are people going to judge me like even with my my um one very serious boyfriend i was like very incapable of like asking for what I wanted or what I was like thought I might be interested in. Cause I was worried that he was going to be like, that's weird. And so it, 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 it's just something that I noticed kind of followed me and still does. Like I, I think it's something that like much like coming out, we continue to do forever. Like I coming, I, I personally believe like coming out, like it like never really ends. And like, that's not like, that might sound daunting to someone who just started coming out, but I actually think it's like really beautiful. I think there's like something really, I think one of the best things about being queer is that, the process of coming out forces you to reevaluate yourself and figure out, take a really active role in becoming the person who you want to become. Um, and to kind of take an active part in that every single day or like over an extended period of time, it feels like it's, you're like in it and you're like, this is taking forever. And I just want to become this more fully realized version of myself. But like at one, like one day you kind of look back and you're like, wait, like I've come really far and I understand myself so much more than I ever thought I could. And that's fucking rad. Like, I no shade to straight people, love all people, but like, I don't know if like society requires that of them in the same way that it requires of people who are non-normative. Um, and in the same regard of like, I like, so I also kind of take that into like the realm of sex where I'm like, I think it's like, I like always say to my friends, I'm like, well, it was like a sexual experience. Like it was an experience. I like did something. I like tried something and like, Sometimes I'm like, and that will be the only time that we do that. But like, now we know. And other times I'm like, interesting. Maybe that's like, maybe we like unlock something there. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's interesting, like in us brainstorming topics and thinking about it, I was like, it, it just like really interests me how they were kind of like, not separate, but like almost dual tracking with like yeah. the sexual one starting a little bit later. That's so interesting. And I, I'm curious how you navigated when you just talk about like having new experiences. Um, and that is one of the beautiful, one of the beautiful things I think about being, being gay and being queer is that it is, it is like this environment that just naturally does foster like more of like a exploratory mindset for people to like try new things. 
And I mean, that's something that I, I obviously like, I was not sexually active for so long. Like I had like little periods of, of it while I was, you know, growing up and still in the closet, but, um, and not with, not with guys, but, um, one of the things that, you know, for me, it was like really stressful coming out was like being 28, having such little, um, like sexual experience, especially with like with guys, like starting from literally zero, um and then so the, you like never like no had, like, like a sleepover moment <clears throat> nothing like no no like dicks were touched like there, nothing like there, this just <sighs> this is why i like look back on i look back on the fraternity thing um this another common theme is like people in like middle school and high school had these like sleepovers and they <clears throat> like had these experiences with people and a lot and i found that a lot of the people that they did with are still like i don't want to say still in the closet but they're like married with kids now um, right. so like they just had these experiences and like to me I just never whether it was in high school or like my fraternity like, that just never never presented itself unless I was like completely just closed off to it I think it's I think it's interesting because I think I was definitely a little bit more exploratory in like middle school and stuff before like the rumor started and then by high school I had kind of like already built that foundation with that one friend where I was like I remember like having some personal time one time in high school and being like, if I ever had like a, if I ever had like a sexual experience, I think it would be with this guy. And then that yeah. is because we had laid that groundwork. But by the time that I got to college, like, I never had any sexual experiences uh, when I was in college with any of my like fraternity brothers or like anyone I knew it was all very anonymous, yeah. um, which is like another layer to all of the like shame and whatever. Um, but I think at that point I was so afraid of anyone thinking that I was like coming on to them or like misinterpreting yeah. something that I was well, very yeah. because I know a lot of people who were just and like it happened to you at in what? Vegas. Like the mis- oh, yeah. like that happened. Yeah. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, uh yeah. And so I think, but I know a lot of people who like were in fraternities, like at other schools or other places who were like, Oh yeah, like I hooked up with people in my fraternity or like people in other fraternities. Yeah. Or like my friend who went to school down south, like he wasn't a fraternity, but he hooked up with all, he was out, but he hooked up with all these guys in fraternities. And I was just like, I think it's a symptom of like, at that point, I, I can't speak for you, but for me, I was like, so locked down that I was like, I'm not even going to entertain anything 100%. because what happens if it goes awry? Like blow up, like you are ostracized. Like you're basically like, you have to, in my mind, I'm like, you'd have to quit the fraternity, like leave. <laughs> Baby, transfer Maybe schools. Transfer schools. I'm moving, <laughs> yeah. I am. I'm moving states. I'm leaving the country. Yeah. <laughs> I. I'm. I'm getting a fake passport. <laughs> Literally. Um, wait. So, how do you? Or how did you navigate? Um, and I'm asking for myself. <laughs> how did you navigate to be more promiscuous? Like, was that something that happened kind of naturally for you, or did it happen like over time after you came out? Yeah. I mean, it was. It was definitely tricky. I think, like for me, I'm like a very naturally sexual person so like I think a lot of like for me like it was like I would suppress all my urges for so long and then I'd like get drunk or like yeah. something and then I'd be like oh here we go full steam ahead like like the dam has broken and there's so much water pressure built up behind it that like look out um and I I think it's tricky I think like you know like I guess I should caveat that like I'm a huge proponent of like trying new things and like pushing past the shame and stuff but like everything should feel like what someone wants to do and consensual and good and like of course i don't think anyone should be like doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff because they feel like it's what they are are supposed to do like like on the flip side 
Which is a real thing. I feel like that's a pressure. That is a real pressure. It is. And I think there are people who feel that pressure. And like, there are also people who are asexual. And like, I think pe- like everyone, it's, it's, it's really hard to find, to know off the bat, like where you're supposed to land. And so like, I don't want to come on here and be like, I'm like, everyone needs to be a slut. Um, but I think like everyone should everyone should feel totally empowered to be as sexual or as non-sexual as they want to be. Um, and I think at least for me, I felt a lot of shame around how sexual I wanted to be. I really wanted to like have these experiences and go out and chase these things. And I felt like I had ingrained within myself, society had ingrained within me that that there was something inherently dirty about that. Um, and so like, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. And I, I, I think that's also part of like dating is like finding people who are on the same like sexual wavelength as you, like some people are just inherently more sexual than others. And some people are less, and some people are more romantic or aromantic and whatever it is, but, um, allowing myself to sit in who I was and like own what I wanted was like the hardest part for me of the process of being like, this is who I am. And I hope that you see me as someone going on dates like I didn't want to like be super sexual because then someone was gonna be like oh that person like he's just like a slut and like I don't see that person as a romantic possibility yeah um and now I'm like this is who I am and like I want to date you which like I'm single right now so maybe this is backfiring but (laughs) (laughs) like I want to date you but this is also like who I am as like a fully a more fully formed sexual being um but I think doing that was just kind of like really like allowing myself to understand that like I'm valid in what I want and also like talking about it with my friends a lot like I mean I think I, I I'm sure I have a reputation amongst my friends of being like very descriptive about like things and what's going on and like telling stories and like it's honestly truly one of my favorite uh favorite pastimes is like being like girl listen what just happened like I cannot make this shit up um and I also think it's like you know I've I've definitely had experiences where I'm like okay like maybe maybe wasn't the moment for me and then there are other times when I'm like great but like this was I felt like super like satisfied or fulfilled or seen or like just like I had fun and so um I think it was just a hundred percent a I think vocalizing it a lot more was a huge part of it is like in therapy, I would like, I would have such a hard time talking to my therapist about sexual experiences. And so I just decided that I was going to like start making an effort to do that more with her. And then also, um, you know, in my conversations with friends, like sharing stuff with them, like I decided that like the people who are my friends, I was going to stop have like, I was essentially still living a double life. I was, I was out of the closet. I was gay, but I was living a double life as like, a buttoned up gay man and then like what I what I perceived as like a sexual deviant um which I had to like reconcile with and now like you know I've like I've I've had a friend tell me like you know like I really appreciate how open you are because it's like really encouraged me to like understand or like think about like what I want or like what I'm into and like I just feel like I, I think gay men specifically queer people but gay men definitely talk about sex a lot and again I, I to your point I think there is oftentimes a pressure to be more pr- promiscuous um which I don't think anyone should ever feel pressured to do anything especially sexual like that is obviously a 
hard no stop um but it's i guess it's like an interesting space to just like find the middle ground on where i like i love talking about sex i love talking about sex with my friends i love talking about their sexual experiences telling them mine like hearing about things and just being like because it's 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 such a it for for people who want to be sexual it is such a it can be such a big part of life and it can be such a like a fulfilling part of life and a really beautiful part of life and when you have really good sexual chemistry with someone you're like like that's that's like it's crazy and, and sometimes you're really good at sexual chemistry with people and no other kind of chemistry with people and sometimes you have really great romantic chemistry with people and really bad sexual chemistry with them and so it's just like I don't know what's about. I don't know if I answered your question. I went off on a tangent. No, but... this is no, this is great. I I I really appreciate this because I I obviously like knowing you for the past couple of years. Like, um, you know, I I you, you do appear to be like more open with this, and so like to hear that you were leaving. I'm like surprised to hear that you were in this like double life scenario, just because of you know I obviously know you more recently, but um, it's such like an interesting perspective that I think is probably very relatable. And it's like learning how to navigate that um and like ex expectations that like just being around the gay community can be we can do which is like the pressure that we've talked about um yeah. and it seems like you've you've been able to make a lot of growth from going from like hiding this side of you to being you know much more transparent about it um and i in what you said about like your friend being like i appreciate that it's like i want to say that as well because i i think kind of like with sharing coming out stories like it helps it helps people who are going through that I think there are also people who are out, but like, like for me, like I was, I've had like really, I think I've just had like this, like around sex, like my whole life, it's just been this terrible, it's like been this really bad thing because I remember even like being a kid in, in the car. I remember asking like my, I think it was I, my mom, if like sex was a swear word and I was told it was a swear word. Oh my God. Then all of like sexual experiences that I tried to have with girls, you know, through uh, high school, college and after college, like just were all always like just went terribly and like really so like i spent my entire life like with sex just negative connotations i was always like pissed at everybody else who was having it and like i wasn't and i like you know it was just this really as you can as you can probably like guess like a huge tremendous stressor for me like probably the biggest stressor of my life until you know like just from like a internal internalized perspective like um constant just like a constant thing for me and so then finally, like coming out and realizing like, oh, well, it was probably just because I was like barking up the wrong tree. Um, and but it's even though I am I have found like where, you know, I am supposed to be, you know, with with men like that is very clear to me. It still wasn't like a light switch into being able to like just jump right into that and being like comfortable and OK with it. Um, and I still even though like, you know, I, I have obviously had like, you know, sexual experiences now, I, I think there are still times when I'm like, oh, I am still like unpacking a lot of stuff. I still am not as comfortable or um, yeah, as comfortable like talking about it, for example, with with people um, as I would like to be like, I would like to get to a place where I'm a little more comfortable. I still get, you know, I think moving to SF and like kind of seeing, you know, uh, you know, all the different types of like relationships people have like open relationships were like a really like a confusing thing to me now and like now I'm yep. one. so like it, it, it's there have been like growth there have been like these there has been steps but it's still like a very like it's it's like still like a, it can get it can get a little stressful for me and when I look back um and sometimes I feel especially just like being on like you know for example being on a gay twitter it's like you see all of this stuff so often and I it, there's this it's really easy to feel like, oh, like I'm doing this wrong or 
I am like a prude or, you know, I just like, I'm not, I'm not there. And so like, it still kind of creates this feeling of, I don't want to say otherness, but like, just, I'm not like caught up to speed or like, I'm not like in the know or like, you know, I still, yeah, no, like, that's, out. yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent of like a, a feeling of otherness. And again, I, I feel like there is this, uh, absolute, pre- there is a part of the community that does put in huge pressure on people to be promiscuous because it makes you cool and it makes you funny and it makes you desirable. And like, I will not lie. I've absolutely had sexual encounters where like, I wasn't that into it, but I, I, I wanted so badly to feel desirable that I like, was like, that this is a good enough reason. And like, I don't think that's ever a good enough reason, but like, I'm not here to yuck anyone else's yum as again, as long as things are consensual and you feel good. Yeah. Um, but there are, you know, like it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird like balancing act to figure out of being like, what do I actually want on both sides? Cause I think that there's the one side that is like, I think society as a whole has like ingrained in us that like a specifically gay male sex is like dirty and dangerous. Like there, I, there is like, I don't know about you, but I grew up with like the boogeyman of HIV right around the corner being like, if you have gay sex, you're going to get HIV and you're going to get AIDS and you're going to die. And that was so prevalent, even in like media representation for so long. Like there were so few shows that showed someone who was HIV positive, even after the science progressed. And, you know, today you can live a long and healthy life as long as you, as long as you have appropriate access to healthcare, which I guess in America is a huge if, but like, if we lived in a more less fucked country, maybe it wouldn't be, but um, that's another topic. But, um, you know, it, there's still this like huge stigma around gay sex and dirtiness and otherness. And then like you kind of come out and you still feel like you're the new person on the block and you're like, all these other people are so much more evolved than I am. And I don't know these things that uh, they know. And I haven't had these experiences they have. So then you feel less valid all over again. You're like, wait, I just joined this community. And now I still feel like a fucking loser. (laughs) And so, so there is this like, other pressure and I definitely think that like people succumb to it I succumb to it and I think that was hard for me to be like again to like find that balance like I'm, I'm doing like the hand motions of like a tightrope walker with like the with the balancing thing which I know the listeners can't see I feel like I look insane <laughs> but um you know it's it's like it's truly I feel like coming out is about figuring out who you actually are as your own individual person. And like that goes for your sexuality as well. Like it goes for what you, what makes you feel good and what makes you feel valid and what makes you feel seen and what makes you feel loved. And, uh, or just like erotic, which is like just as valid. Um, So it's, 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 it's definitely like a tightrope walk and, uh, yeah, I mean, there are definitely like gay Twitters, particularly heinous. And it's like, guess how many people I had sex with on my lunch break today? And I'm like, honestly, work. Like, yeah. I don't know where you find the time, but I, part of me is like, how long is my lunch break? <laughs> I don't know. I think, like, I think the, and I also think it goes back to like the fact that like we have fucked up sexual education in this country. If I want to like attack America a little bit more, like, we don't teach children at any age gay or straight but particularly queer um 
about like their bodies and like sexuality is so healthy if it's approached from a healthy way, but we don't approach it from a healthy way. And it's like, it's, so that's why like gay men don't really know about their bodies and about like anal sex. And like, I remember like when I bought my first douche <laughs> and like texting my friends about like how to use it and what I was doing. And I like texted my friend who lived in DC at the time across the country. Cause I feel like that is what you do. Like you and I, like I was that for you and this guy Clayton was that for me where like, it was like my cross the country pen pal where yeah. I was like, Hey, like all, like all these funny things kept happening. And like, I like, te- like, I remember I was traumatized after the first time I did it. And I was like, well, I'm never doing that again. Like that was yeah. horrific. And now it's like the closest thing I have to a religion. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's this thing where like, we really are kind of left to figure out on our own um, or like with our communities, but it's like, it like some people are luckier with communities than other. And it depends on where you live. And like, if you don't live in a place where you have access to like a budding queer community, it can be really hard. Yeah. And wait, you did just remind me, like you were definitely that person for me. Like, I remember I would like text you updates, like, cause you just like so supportive and you're just like, so there for me, like, it was great. I remember like, I would have some experiences. I'd be like, Brian, guess what just happened to me? That was so cute. I mean, I live for that shit. I love it. Like I said, like swapping stories is my favorite thing in the world because like we are, you know, we are our own community and like, we're not raised in the queer community. We're not raised understanding like what things are and um, what, what existed before us because we're, we're not born into queer families and you have, and again, the whole idea of chosen family and finding your own people. Kind of touching back to what you said before, it's like vocalizing this stuff and not only vocalizing it helps, but like to know that you have somebody that isn't going to judge you for mm-hmm. that and like in and complete the opposite for you it's like you would be you were like an encourager like you i i knew you got like i got such positive you know feedback from you it was like one of those things that really helped and i've never told you this but like i think it was more than just like being able to share these stories with you and like haha like guess what i got into last night it was more like it helped kind of deprogram the concept of like gay sex equals bad that we've talked yeah. about because it's like you know, uh, me being able feeling comfortable enough to tell you about certain experiences and then get really positive, like feedback, like, yes, girl, like, get it. Like, I love that. So, um, so it was like huge. Well, for me. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that that makes me really happy. Um, yeah, I think it, I kind of, the way that I think about it and, and the way that I have talked to my therapist about it, shout out to him. Um, it is, Like, I really, like, again, I was so fortunate with the support system that I had when I came out, like, from the emotional side, but I felt so alone with this whole other part of me, and I felt so unable to express it in any way that felt safe, because I just didn't know, like, I didn't know, and, like, my straight friends, I would talk to them about, like, cut versus uncut guys, and, like, my guy friends, like, did not want to hear about that, and then, like, Uh, like the girlfriends are like yeah and like i like i have some great like girlfriends who are fantastic but like i don't know there's something about having a conversation with like at least for me having a conversation with like another queer person or like specifically like another gay man who can like really understand intimately like what what's going on that just feels like really affirming and like uh like 
safe. And so I like always try to think like, I want to have the conversations with people that I wish people were having with me when I had first come out or was figuring this out because like, there's so much that I felt so ashamed of or like dirty over that. Like I didn't need to feel that way. And like, I, it was absolutely the single most thing holding me back for a long time. I think was like the shame, the shame over, um, like just embracing my sexuality and sex positivity. And like, uh, it, since I've kind of like embraced it more about myself, I can show up more authentically, like romantically. And again, this might not be a great example given, uh, the lack of boyfriend, but, um, I can just be a more authentic version of myself, which I think is like, again, the entire point of coming out is to stop living under the expectations and, um, of the world and the walls that we put up uh, and to, to protect ourselves. So, yeah. I, you know, I think this has been super great. Like I, I think you have said a lot of really like resonating topics, at least for me, like I, um, I, I told you before this, I was like, I was really excited to have this conversation with you as our topic because I was like, wait, I think I need to hear this. Like <laughs> I still need to like work through some of this stuff myself. So um, I really appreciate you sharing your experience with us, Ryan. Um, and thank you so much for being on and sharing your coming out story with us. Um, if there are listeners who your story resonates with, or they want to reach out and, um, and, and say, hi, uh, how, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? You can, uh, find me on Twitter at Ryan K Krause or Insta at Ryan Killian Krause, my full name, you know, um, RKK, RKK. Um, yeah, both of those places you should be able to find me. I'm on social media constantly. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to reach out. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Um, I'm thank sure this, is, this, this talk is going to resonate with a lot of people. And I, I, you know, I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Be a slut, do whatever you want. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If this week's episode resonated with you, please take a second to subscribe and leave a review. You can find Reaching Out with Michael Constable on Instagram and Twitter at Reaching Out Pod, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael Wings It. Bye bye, see you!